Hi, bonjour. I'm Gina Suru, and you're listening to the Paris International Film Festival podcast. In each episode, I dive into film distribution or filmmaker strategy or a challenge who's used a disruptive way to get meaningful films out there in these transition times. Whether you're a filmmaker excited to embrace on your normal or simply interested in hearing some filmmaking and distribution tips, this is for you. Bonjour, bienvenue au Paris International Film Festival. I am Jenna Suru, the Executive Director. Today, we're extremely excited to present you amazing filmmakers and their brilliant work. And we really want to congratulate them because they really made an amazing film which focuses on change and a wonderful message, sometimes with comedy, just really exciting stories. But first, let me introduce you to our moderator, Natasha Marburger. Hello, Natasha. Bonjour. Hi, Jenna. And welcome to all our amazing filmmakers who are on this panel. And thank you for having me, Jenna. I'm very excited to host this today. We're sure are excited to have you. Thanks so much for kindly coming back after also directing Nora's film, um, the Q&A about cream. That was a beautiful conversation. So Natasha, who is Natasha? Natasha is a very impressive professional. Her first feature, Hotspot, successfully got distribution after it was Uh, selected at the London Independent Film Festival, a long-term running film festival in London that she also now runs. Indeed, Natasha, she is a producer. She freelances on a number of projects. She also now in post for her second feature film called We Too. And she also runs a new festival, the Los Angeles International Film Festival. She's very kindly merging this panel with our amazing filmmakers selected at the Paris International Film Festival. Bienvenue, Natasha. Yeah. Hi, Jenna. Thank you again for having me today. This is really wonderful to be part of Paris International Film Festival. And yeah, I am involved in many different things and, and different festivals. And this is just one that I'm so excited to be part of. So thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to speak to everyone on our panel today. Would you like, um, maybe if everyone wants to quickly introduce their films, because I can actually see some brilliant posters. Yeah, yeah, so I think the best way, if we start with everyone talking about themselves and their career paths and where they are now, and obviously as part of that, you'll, you'll talk about your films and what you're doing with them. So shall we start by doing that? If we start with... Nora, let's let's hear what your film is and and all about you and your filmmaking. Okay. So hi everyone, thank you for the opportunity. I'm really excited to be here at uh, this wonderful film festival. And uh, yeah, um, I'm a Budapest-based uh, filmmaker um, from Hungary, and I uh, finished my studies in uh, directing at the Hungarian Film Academy like eight years ago, and uh, I also took uh, courses at uh, London Film School and uh, in Brussels, INSAS uh, Film University. And uh, since that, I've made uh, many short films that won different awards, uh, for example, uh, in Sarajevo uh, Film Festival. And also um, I made documentaries and uh, TV series a lot. <laughs> Uh, almost all the channels that are existing in Hungary. And uh, I started my first um, feature film like three years ago, and uh, it was released uh, 2020 September. And now it's in your beautiful festival. <laughs> so actually this uh, titled Cream, and it's a dramedy or romantic comedy. It <laughs> depends on who watches it. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, um, it's about love and about, um, about uh, what, is, uh, what kind of picture do we have about love and uh, how can we cope with it and how can we find uh, um, some kind of real uh, um, aspect of, uh, long-term relationship and um, yeah, we deal with that questions. Very quick note about that, Natasha, if, uh, if I'm allowed, is yeah. that 
festival is ending this year on Valentine's Day, so you'll get to spend Valentine's with us. And, and really, anyone who is available, you must, must catch this film. It's absolutely wonderful. I really loved it. Thank you. Cool. So who wants to talk next? Um, Mindy, why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself and tell us about the in-between? Hi everyone, um, I'm Mindy Bledsoe. I'm from the United States based out of California. Um, I'm the director, writer, and actress of The In-Between, which is a um, buddy comedy, dramedy, road trip movie. We've got two friends who uh, set out across the American West on a 4,500 mile road trip. While um, they've got a couple of personal things to deal with and they also have some medical issues that they deal with. And um, it's a good road trip movie. Fantastic. So let's talk to Ashley. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to make the film Pioneers in Skirts. Tell us Hello. a little bit more. Oh yes, um, I'm Ashley Maria. I'm the director of Pioneers in Skirts. And it's a film that follows my own story to understand um, the gender bias, the sexism, the stereotypes that women are just continuously confronted with in their careers. And then what do we actually do about it? How do we actually uh, start to move our culture towards change? You know, it's about creating empathy and um, helping people understand what women are going through. And funny enough, Mindy is in the movie and she's got some pretty amazing lines in it. So you should go and watch it just for that. Um, but it was a movie I had to make. I actually started out as a horror film director and that's how Mindy and I met. And, you know, I just, I was saying, why am I not getting the opportunities as my male counterparts? Is it me? And the truth is there's so much going on in our culture that is making it, you know, making me look like not a director basically is what I can simply say. So we start out with my own story, but then we get out of the film industry as quickly as possible because frankly, they're not doing enough. And uh, it's a film I had to make in order to really see the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, another fun fact, I made it with my mom. So Leanne is our producer of the film and my mom. And um, it was basically an odyssey. <laughs> and so uh, now we're here at the Paris International Film Festival and it's our big Paris uh, European premiere. So we're so happy to be here. Excellent. Well, happy to have you. And um, I'll ask a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, so who else? Let's, let's talk to Olga. Tell us a bit about what you're, you've been up to and also tell us about your film, Anna. Uh, hello from Ukraine. I'm based in Kyiv. I'm Ukrainian film producer and work already more than 10 years in this industry. Uh, my pre previous experience was have been uh, most with documentary filmmaking, but few last year I also work with uh, fiction films. And Anna is a great example of uh, such a um, um, such a work. It's a unique production in a short matter uh, with Great Britain and Israel and Ukraine. Uh, film have been filmed totally in Ukraine, but, but with the Israel director. And Anna have been started his festival life from Cannes Film Festival, from main competition, and already we have already more than 350 festivals. So it's a really, really um, uh, big film for us. And um, I'm really happy to be a part of such an international great team uh, to present this film uh, today in the Paris Film Festival, also participate here with you. And I um, want to tell that uh, Ukrainian film industry is uh, really fast developing now. So if you are interested in any co-productions or any help, any shooting in Ukraine, I will be happy to tell about to tell with you about all these uh, questions. Oh, fantastic. Well, we will definitely explore that a little bit more. But first of all, let's go to Lisa. So Lisa, tell us a little bit more about The Big Kitty. Oh, thank you, Natasha. And congratulations to you ladies for your films. I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Um, the Big Kitty, uh, well, 
I'm a visual artist, as is my husband, Tom, and he wrote the film and it was like 12 years ago we started making it. So it's a totally independent comedy film noir that is a feature and it stars um, all our artist friends in Melbourne who are major cinema buffs as well and uh, our cat and Tom's son and we we filmed it, we acted in it, we produced it, we did the catering continuity, which sometimes slipped up a little, and uh, all the costumes. And it was really a labour of love to get it done, um, totally financed by ourselves, you know, credit cards, basically. And um, it's, uh, we, we did a lot of research into the lighting of 1940s, where Tom and I both love cinema, um, being had a lot of books on cinema, Hollywood cinema, European cinema, um, and we are thrilled that we finally got this incredible, crazy project finished. I mean, we could have built a chateau, but we've made our film, The Big Kitty. <laughs> and um, and everybody's really excited to see about it, see it. And I'd like to say hello to our friends in Melbourne who all star in it and have been waiting for this moment. And I'm very thrilled that we're in Paris right now because years ago I lived in Paris for five years and studied at Cours Florent where Jenna actually did and I think I'm the first Australian graduate of Cours Florent and then I gave up acting but never my love of cinema and uh, have done a couple of plays and Tom had made a mini little film and uh, so it feels right that to be part of the Paris International Film Festival, I feel like it's happening in our spiritual home. And uh, we even had our cat brought over just before the second lockdown, which was a huge thing because there's no more traveling. It took 75 hours for him to come from Melbourne to Paris on one of the last Emirates flights. And uh, so we're all together and can enjoy this. Wow, well done, that's amazing. It's good to hear stories like this. So. I'm going to start by exploring a little bit more about the, the different film industries. We've got a very international group of people on this panel. So let's start first with Mindy and Ashley. You're both based in the US and your films were made there, were they, both of them? Entirely? Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about the the film industry was it um well Ashley you said it was very, very difficult for you to make your way you had a horror film previously so just want to talk a little bit more about your experiences that led you up to the point where you are now and then we can talk about the film industries in the other parts of the world as well so let's talk a bit more about the USA so uh, Mindy what were your experiences were they similar to Ashley's um, well, to start with, um, I, I went to, to school in a small, a, a small college in uh, East Texas. They had a small film program. So, um, and you know, it was a great film program, but it didn't actually connect me to anyone who could give me a job in Hollywood. Um, and there is a, a, a very interesting bias that happens in the United States when it comes to filmmaking. And that is, uh, if you're not making it within the Hollywood bubble, then you're not real. Um, so uh, to start with, I mean, coming out of the South as a filmmaker, um, that is that was my first obstacle to, to overcome is that I'm not only a female, but I am real just because I came from Texas and I don't wanna live in Hollywood, I, I'm still a filmmaker. Um, so uh, for me, um, I had started making, um, I made five short films before I ever moved to Hollywood. Um, all of them won awards at, at festivals. Um, and yet I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get a meeting or an interview with an agent. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get anything. Um, and uh, so I had to do other things on the side. I, I, I edited for money. Um, I, I was an assistant director. Um, I did whatever I could to pay the bills. So I, I, I learned almost every aspect of how to make a movie because no one would hire me as a director. Um, so when I finally moved out to Hollywood, um, I thought, well, this is it. I'll be in Hollywood. I'll, I'll be in LA, they'll, they'll care. 
nobody cares. Um, nobody cares. Um, and so uh, my husband, who's also uh, my cinematographer on the movie, he, you know, we're both in the industry working. Uh, luckily, he uh, works way more than I do. Um, he's a great cinematographer. Um, but his career started advancing and mine literally started going backwards. It's like I moved to LA and it got worse for me, uh, probably because it's like you're in the middle of it and yet I still couldn't advance it. It's like no matter who I met, nothing happened. Um, and so after about uh, two, three years in LA, um, I got frustrated. My husband and I got frustrated and, and we took what we thought was going to be vacation money and uh, we used that money to make my first feature film as a director. And um, I mean, we went, we went all in. We got um, our friend Jennifer Stone, who's in uh, Disney's Wizards of Waverly to come on board as a co-writer, co-producer and as co-lead. Um, and we made this movie in 14 days across the American West. Um, so uh, um, just like Big Kitty over there, completely independent. Um, our 100% our own boss. We paid for that movie. Um, we did all of the editing. We did the color. We did, we, we, we had to get some people for sound. Um, but um, I feel very outside of the industry, no matter what I do. And my, my film has done really great on the festival circuit. We've, we've played like 17 festivals in the United States. We've won like 14, 15 awards. Um, and I still have no prospects for money or who's going to help produce my next feature. So that's where I'm at. How about you, Ashley? Well, I mean, so exactly right, right? There's this notion that in order to become a filmmaker, so first of all, you're not seen as a filmmaker until you've done X, Y, and Z. And so it's like, you have to go and you have to do all these programs, these fellowships, um, these shadowing programs in order to even be considered for roles in the industry where you actually can get paying jobs. So um, I'm not surprised that that was your experience because it seems as though um, if you are not falling under a certain umbrella of person, you are not seen as um, somebody who can be successful. So, I mean, that's a lot of why I started making Pioneers and Skirts is I didn't really see how I was going to thrive in this industry if I was always being expected to learn more, do more, volunteer more, um, believe in myself more, you know, it's like, okay, yes. And when are you just going to look at me as somebody who can do the work? Um, and I think my experience is very similar where I had to get outside of the film industry in order to find solutions and also to find people to support me. Um, the film industry, you know, I, I had a lot of people tell me, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Um, you know, why are you, why are you going to come at the film industry? This is where you want to work. And I said, well, I'm not going to work until they start to change. And uh, so I think it's actually, it's interesting, you know, you, you, it's like you go to LA in order to be in Hollywood and then you get out as, as much as you can to kind of regain your sanity. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we got more support for this topic once we got out of the film industry. And I think you know, unfortunately, thanks to the Me Too movement, a lot of people, especially in the U.S., started to see that, hey, there is something going on and we can't just, you know, brush it off as that was the past. Yeah. Interesting. So how, how was the situation like in other places? Lisa, tell us a little bit about the, the how you, did you shoot the film in Australia? Yes, we shot it um, all in Australia um, and a little bit in Paris because okay. a French artist friend really wanted to be in it. So we were here and we wrote a little part for him and filmed it. And But actually, it was a surprise to realise that, you know, we considered trying to go for funding, but there was no crossover field for visual artists to go into making an art film or anything. It's like, it's just not done and like the Arts Council of Victoria or the Australia Council would not even consider us. I mean, it's hard enough even as a visual artist to get a grant because it is not a hugely philanthropic country, Australia. So it is very hard. You really have to work hard to make things happen. So um, we ended up, you know, borrowing a camera 
for one summer because my husband Tom was working at Swinburne where they taught, um, he was teaching art part-time and they taught um, film and TV and the tech guy, Tom's really great with tech and started teaching animation and he borrowed a camera and some lights and, and then we said, okay, well, we can just go ahead and make it ourselves and we're just going to forge ahead and make it little by little and um, all the sets and whenever we could um, borrow a, someone's studio, our own studios, our own apartment, a friend's house, a building that was about to be demolished, um, we pounced upon that occasion and took that opportunity to use it. And uh, so there was actually no crossover, no funding ever available. And um, so we didn't even really count the budget. We just used our credit cards and um, and went ahead. And but at the end, though, we were very lucky because um, we had no connections to the film world. Uh, a couple of filmmaker friends gave us some tips on lighting and that you could even use like garden lighting from a hardware shop that were very strong. And so we worked out budget ways of doing things and lots of the sets were made of found objects. And a friend was working in an, a thrift shop and sourced lots of outfits as well that complemented um, the wardrobe department. <laughs> and we um, had a friend of ours in the film who's a life model and an artist said at the end of the filming, I have a friend who works in post-production and she, um, and he had her on the phone and she said, oh, well, I hear you've made a film. Um, well, I'll come over and watch a little bit of it. We said, okay. And so she came over to our lounge room, watched five minutes on the computer screen and said, oh, I like it. Can you put it on a key stick and let me see the rest? And so she went home, watched it, and then she rang the next day and said, I've shown it to a friend. We'd like to come around and visit. And um, they came over and they said, I can't believe you've done this all by yourselves and you're not even filmmakers. And they said, we'd like to help you technically, because we were stuck in post-production. That's one thing we couldn't do. We'd edit it as much as we could, but we couldn't um, do the whole of post-production. And so we had, a fabulous editor who came on board, who, you know, the top in Australia, we just got really lucky with post-production. And Anne Carter, who'd just been working on the a Foxtel series of Picnic at Hanging Rock was between jobs. And she said, I wanna come and help you guys if you will allow me to help you. And so she came in and edited our film and it really romps along, which is great because it was a bit too long and we didn't want it to be boring and it needed a fine edit. And then they put us in touch with a couple of a sound person and a picture quality person and um, and uh, but also all the music was researched from uh, by Tom through archive.org so that was all creative commons and um, I did all the makeup and everything we just yeah so we did it and with no help and we're very happy with the result <laughs> amazing achievement well done so Nora I'm gonna go to you let's see is the industry in Europe any better how what's it like in Hungary yeah, it's very different, of course, uh, from uh, the US uh, industry. And there are advantages and disadvantages, of course, uh, as uh, uh, all the films are um, made by public uh, money, actually. So, uh, and it means that uh, now in Hungary, it's a quite centralized, uh, like everything, but this is <laughs> quite centralized as well. Uh, that we have only one institution called uh, National Film Fund uh, that was settled a year before uh, because um, it's also challenging that every three, four, five years uh, the um, uh, industry uh, or the funding system uh, is changing a bit. So you always have to catch up and just <laughs> follow 
know what's going on right now. But mainly the thing is that now we have only one institution and uh, there is a, a committee and um, they uh, make the decision if you, whether you can, uh, first you can get uh, money for um, developing your film, uh, your script, and once uh, you've done it, and if they say that, yes, they're still satisfied and interested, um, you can go to a pre-production phase. And at the end, if everything goes well, then uh, you get the money for uh, the production. So this is the system, actually. And uh, now the TV and the film is the same institution. And um, yeah, so it's also a big question. I think that uh, this... Uh, public funding uh, raise is that, uh, you know, uh, the role of the producers, <laughs> because uh, in the States, or if you are a self-funded, if you have a self-funded film, then of course you have all the rights and you can make decision on everything. So you have a kind of freedom, which is good. Uh, and uh, when you have a producer, uh, but like 100% of your production was funded by the government, or by the public money and by this institution, then uh, the role bit uh, of the producer and what, uh, for example, about marketing questions or um, or uh, uh, even some production questions. So there are so many things when uh, where the directors uh, from uh, for a few years now in Hungary has no such uh, uh, rights uh, that uh, we had before, and it's because uh, we had a new institution and um, for five or six years, or maybe a, a bit longer, there was Andy Weiner. He was an American producer, for example. Pre Terminator and that's like big blockbuster film and he was the leader he became the leader of the film found and he uh, changed the system and uh, was thinking as uh, as a studio uh, to the uh, to the film found but it wasn't the studio of course because it was a state-owned institution so there were some controversy and there were good things and bad things in it but uh, from that point the producers and and directors role has changed a bit and now for example uh, uh, we are fighting <laughs> for a right uh, as, as directors so it's uh, it's an, maybe that's interesting and um, otherwise uh, I think that um, you know, to release a film, especially in 2020, it's not easy, but any other time either. So uh, in, in Europe, I think that's the, one of the most, may, maybe everywhere, but in Europe, uh, especially uh, to find a good way of distributions, uh, maybe at cinemas or maybe on, uh, uh, on streaming uh, platforms. So you have to decide on that too, how to get to your audience. And I think that's, that's a big, question and now we have for example a new thing that maybe that's the last thing that I will mention that is I think interesting that uh, now we can apply for some um, found or grant uh, very beginning uh, at the pre-production phase uh, for marketing which is I think really good because in Europe instead of in America as I see uh, this marketing thing is not really uh, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in the process uh, in the so we should really involve it in the beginning and and, uh, and spread the word that we are doing something great and interesting and you should know about it so it's it, it's for example a good thing so there are advantages and disadvantages yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, Nora, uh, do you have any creative freedom? Yes, actually, I do think that uh, we have in uh, Europe, uh, we have a bit more uh, freedom than, uh, than maybe in the state if you are making a, a studio um, funded film. Uh, because uh, once uh, we, you have a, the script, which you bring in on the table and if they say yes um, we are interested in it then you can just develop it and sometimes there are people who say that okay it should be a bit like this or that and you have to have that kind of negotiation but otherwise it's uh, it's it's kind of free and then uh, also uh, uh, creative wise producers don't really uh, go into it and don't really want to change your story or the way you, you tell your story, which is really good. And in that way, I think that we have more freedom. Hmm. Yes, yes. 
I mean, that's another down or disadvantage of trying to even break into the studio system here in America is because you, you will be giving up so much of your own creative freedom and having to answer and, and kind of tweak your, your vision a lot more for other people. There's so many more people involved that you have to please. So it's interesting. Very yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's also, uh, it, it never happens, for example, or almost never that uh, a director uh, is going to be you know, replaced. It's almost impossible. But I've heard that in America, it's like quite normal. It can happen anytime. So in that added? way, yeah. Like these are features or short films or all of it? No, these are, um, now I'm talking about feature films, but okay. actually um, when you make a short, then no, no one cares uh, money-wise. So <laughs> it's, it's not about the money and not about audience. It's about festivals and it's about pure creativity. So it's uh, good uh, to make short films for sure. But yeah, it's another system. But actually it's almost the same that you have to apply and then you get money. But of course I made films uh, without funding as well. Documentary films and short films. I think that's uh, necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Olga, you, would, you mentioned co-production. So tell us a bit more about your experiences. What, what were you, what did you have to do when you made Anna? Did you experience anything similar to the others on the panel or is it different? Uh, so um, I will start to tell you more uh, a little bit from producer's point of view, because here um, uh, you more are directors. And um, for us, especially in Ukraine, after the six years of war, it's really important uh, that our film industry, that our talented creative have been presented um, in a European and world context. That's why the government strategy for filmmaking is especially creating film uh, in co-production. That's why we try to participate as an example of Anna, even in a short uh, metrage, in short uh, films, uh, try to participate in a co-production process. Um, in Ukraine, we have uh, one main uh, uh, film state agency that gives money to Ukrainian filmmakers and also to the international film, film, filmmakers for minority co-production. And it's really, um, it's really easy to participate in the competition. It's illegal for uh, national co-producer to present even international projects there and country are, are really interested in the big names in a big projects in a good creative uh, stories also from last year ukraine gives uh, 25 percent um, of budget uh, as a cash rebate and for us it's a really great new experience uh, because um, we have our, our priority that uh, shooting in Ukraine are less expensive than uh, any of European country, of course, that any uh, inter uh, US country. That's why uh, we, are, we are good in a services project. We are good in a different, uh, different uh, uh, shooting process as a really good location with many talented creative and not expensive uh, crew people, techni technician people. That's why we are really happy to start to do all the project in a production. And Anna, it was a such uh, kind of experience uh, when uh, the Israel, uh, Israel director comes to Ukraine for filming here Ukrainian story. And um, uh, the result, uh, which is uh, quite really um, uh successful as we as we may see from all these uh, many festivals it is a good result so anna is a really good promotion of ukrainian capacity to participate in such a big international project wow that's really exciting so is it 350 festivals so far uh, so uh, we start from last, uh, uh, from uh, not last, but 20, uh, 2019 Cannes festivals, and till now it's 350 festivals. So it's a little bit wow. more than one year. <laughs> cool, that's amazing. So Paris International Film Festival is 
number 351 then. But one of the best. We're so glad we met the cat, Olga. We're so glad we met the cat. (laughs) Wow. So to follow up on that, I want to hear everyone's experience of French cinema or France or Paris. What's your experience and why have you decided that you have to be involved with Paris International Film Festival? Who should we start with? Who wants to go first? Come on. Uh, Olga? I, yeah, I may start because, sorry, in the five minutes, uh, unfortunately, I need to less you. Uh, so my for, uh, my personal experience, especially with French cinema, a um, few years ago, I uh, have finished a French uh, European program for documentary film producers, Yeverdoc, and have met a lot of creative uh, creators from uh, Paris, from French. I have been in a French speaking group. And after this one year of studying, I really appreciate um, the open mind uh, creativity of French filmmakers because I was so surprised uh, in Ukraine, especially in documentary filmmaking, we are making film in Ukraine about Ukrainian story. And in my group, all French filmmakers, they have um, uh, made their film uh, in uh, Latin America, Africa, around the world. They're really, um, they're really uh, open-minded, yes, about, um, and uh, it's such a great people. And I really love French cinema. That's why I'm, I'm a total big fan of uh, French festivals, French people, and French cinema. Excellent. And Lisa, tell us a bit more about your experience and your your passion for French cinema. You moved to Paris, didn't you? You live there now, so. Yeah, I am here in Paris now. And uh, but I first moved to Paris in 1989. And, uh, and then I just changed my life, but I ended up studying acting. And that was when uh, a fellow drama student of mine was an usherette at the cinema Le Saint-Germain-du-Prés. And I was like, oh my God, what a dream job. That is that is what I'm dreaming of. I've been working as an au pair and a chef, a waitress, you know, just all night. And, and then I was like, and I love cinema. And then one day I get a phone call and she says, Lisa, someone hasn't turned up. Come on down. And I was living in a shoebox in Montmartre and I got on my bike and I rode straight down and I did usher it in with my hand, you know, and she, I only earned tips. That's all it was, oeuvres, only tips with a torch and a little bag and uh, you tear the ticket and somebody comes in and you hope they give you a gold coin. And, and there I am. Um, In between shifts, I studied all my drama roles in the staircase and the stairwell, and I met the cinema makers. Everyone came to the cinema, Le Saint-Germain-de-Prey. Eric Romer had all his um, film launches there. Gerard Depardieu organised a John Cassavetes film festival, which was just mind-blowing. That was a whole new thing. I got an incredible education. There were Orson Welles festivals. Um, Jeanne Moreau festivals and um, Catherine Deneuve came to the cinema, Jane Berkin, Marcella Mastroioni came one night but I had to change my shift to study for a, a, a play so I missed out on that and also I got the chance to go to every cinema for free. Because Thank you so was... much Olga for joining, sorry she has to go because I, I, we knew about this, so spasiba Olga. Thank you very much. Merci. 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 Merci, Lisa. Excuse-moi. No, no, that's fine. Yes, and so I, I, got, I got to go on my days off. I'd go to the cinema for free. Um, if it was raining, like a winter day like today, if it was possible, I would go and see three films in a day. And, uh, and I met the most amazing people. And here I am living in Paris and... My old boss, who was the box office lady from the cinema Le Saint-Germain-de-Prés and the Trois Luxembourg, she actually lives across the road and she's got all the old posters and the videos and um, and there's still a few people I know who work in the cinemas and it, it's just fantastic to know that, the, you know, 
I mean, Paris Art House Cinema, and I'm living in the fifth and there's all the cinemas around. I love going to the Champo and um, the, all of the little cinemas, the Cinematheque and... and oh, it sounds wonderful. They're closed, so now I can't wait until one day that maybe the big kitty will be able to go and see it in a Parisian cinema ourselves. That's really what I'm hoping for. But this is a good start. <laughs> Yes, it certainly is. Yeah, so, so wait, Tom and I are super thrilled that the Kitty is part of the Paris International Film Festival. It feels right. Wonderful. It's a brilliant film. Oh, it's a brilliant film, and we're certainly excited to have a glass of champagne with you all. Oh, thank you. Quel bon idée. Et le tapis rouge. So, Ashley. Tell us a little bit about your experience of French cinema. Well, I have never been to Paris. I've never, I haven't been over there yet. So everything I know is in the movies and in our history books. So I will say, I, I mean, I wanna go just to be able to see where everything was really discovered. Um, I know I've had a few friends bring me back like, trinkets from Lumiere and like things like that and and I go okay it's time but um I think the biggest one if we if you guys haven't heard um Alice Guy Blachey is uh, the first female director and there's uh, a whole documentary about her and I think that's what really opened me up to you know so much of our history is very uh written uh by by very certain people and this documentary about her is is really just saying hey listen she existed and she got written out of the history books she was the first female female director she invented so much of what we do today and i didn't know about her until two years ago so um that would be my my goal there she is oh my gosh what is this book what is this and something i want to add about that ashley thank you so much for mentioning alice yeah. Guy. she was Right at the same time when the Frère Lumière happened, Alice Guy, she was discovered by Léon Gaumont, which is important, I think, to, to say. And she was also the first director ever to shoot with um, Afro-American actors, which I think is So it's almost not amazing. even fair to call her the first female uh, director. She was the first everything. Yes. And she was a woman. Very much. <laughs> this yes. is a great book. Ni vu, ni connu. And um, it's put together by the George Sand Collective, and it's got all the way lost amazing. in history. And I found it at the Pompidou Centre bookshop, and um, I doubt it's been translated into English. <laughs> but I saw Alice Guy Bachet, the film that Jodie Foster produced in Melbourne at a film festival um, just last year, and I was blown away by it. And she was the first feminist filmmaker. And she was actually written out of history and the Lumiere brothers were put in first place. And yeah. she even went to the States, as you would know. Um, and, and that's so important. I think if somebody's watching this and they haven't heard about her, please look her up and learn about her films and watch her films if you can. Yeah. Jenna, you, can you make sure all the links are available for anyone watching? Oh, we sure will. We sure will. Very excited about that. Excellent. So before we let everyone get on with everything that they're up to, just want to... Nora, Nora has a really interesting story uh, with her film and a beautiful tribute to France, right, Nora? Yes, <laughs> because uh, I, uh, I have a lot of connection with uh, French language and French cinema and even Paris because um, my mother was uh, still crazy in love with Alain Delon. So for that, I was <laughs> watching all the Alain Delon films when I was a teenager and a child. So, and also all the French New Wave and Jacques Demy films with Catherine Deneuve and all that. So, and actually in Cream, uh, Alain Delon appears as a, a blue cupcake. So <laughs> we have a, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of uh, fun facts about French cinemas and actually my daughter who also appears in the film and I think it's it's a very interesting uh, fact that I think that now all of us who are here has at least one relatives in our in in our films. <laughs> so it's a kind of like family film, and maybe we can say that that it's um, typical um, women 
uh, aspect of making films or I don't know, but, uh, but uh, somehow uh, it turns out now like that. So it's nice and those, my daughter uh, studies uh, at a French um, high school. So she speaks fluently. And also one of my really, really good friends raised in Paris. So I've been to Paris for a hundred times and I loved it. <laughs> so I'm really, really happy that uh, Cream can be part of the Paris International Film Festival. Yeah, excellent. And when you see the film, you'll see all the, all the cakes with all the different names. It's really wonderful. And it's, it looks very tasty as well. So. Um, but just before we go, I also I have a final question and it comes back to the title of this panel. We're talking about revolution and the future of filmmaking. So for everyone, what are you up to now or what's next for you and how do you see film changing and adapting and moving forwards from where we are now? So I'm going to throw that to Mindy first. <clears throat> the future of filmmaking. <clears throat> Gosh, I, you know, you would ask me that before COVID and I'd have a, a different answer, but, um, you know, COVID has changed everything. Um, you know, my ideal future filmmaking um, would be, especially in the States, less of a business and more of creative endeavors. Um, um, uh, it, it, for me, uh, you know, when it all always comes back down to the dollar, um, we, we lose um, creatives that could be part of telling stories. And, um, you know, I would like personally the future of filmmaking to be more about storytelling and less about how much money we can make. Um, we take that god awful dollar out of it and we're gonna get so many more creative stories and so many, more different types of creatives that could could step forward and, and tell us stories that we've never even heard of. Um, that's what I would like. Do I really think it's gonna happen? Not in America. Um, we love our dollar. Um, that's what I would like. Someone else give me something better. Do you think that you're smiling there, Ashley? Do you agree? <laughs> um, well, so, one thing that I think about a lot, especially I, you know, I made a social impact documentary and we're seeing how well it's being received again, like I said, outside of the film industry. Um, but I, you know, I think films, um, they're being made by people who have passion, who, uh, want to impact change for the most part. And, um, I think films are going to be used more to educate the public, uh, to create more empathy towards another, another person. I mean, we're using pioneers and skirts right now to create conversations with families, with companies, um, in schools, to raise awareness to what women confront, but then also help, you know, help people see that they can do something. There is hope. And so I, I see the future of filmmaking uh, being more about how do I better the world? I mean, with, with COVID and everything, I think a lot of us filmmakers said, can I make a piece of art that's going to really um, impact people right now? Can I, can I make them happy? Can I, can I make them think about their situation outside of this? And then luckily we finally, you know, as a country, for the most part, got together about Black Lives Matter. And with that, I think um, a lot of people are opening up their minds to one bias and seeing how much there is around us. So yeah. um, I guess I feel right now for the people who just wanna make a lighthearted film, I think the US is very much like, we need things that are going to actually start a conversation and impact change um, mm. through the next few years. I think a lot of people want that right now. They wanna know how they can be better because they're seeing how, how backwards we are finally. Yeah, I, and my film actually deals with um, chronic illnesses. Uh, uh, both my characters have um, invisible or chronic illnesses. Uh, one of them has type one diabetes and the other one has complex regional pain syndrome. And one of them is a really well-known illness and the other one is a very rare, not known about illness. And I'm ecstatic that my film is actually um, 
been a, a tool for a lot of people with uh, complex regional pain syndrome. They're using my movie to um, uh, show it to their family so they can start a conversation about what it's like living with chronic pain. Um, so, you know, it's fun. I have a fun buddy road trip movie, but it's also this tool that people are able to use. And I'm hoping to bring that it's bringing more awareness to a, a chronic illness that most people have never heard of. Um, and that brings more empathy. And the more empathy we have for each other, the better we, 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 we all can be. So just like with Black Lives Matter, we, we're, we're seeing how backwards we are. And that's not just about race, but that's also about ableism and, and misogyny. Like it's it's all in there. We're that that oh it's all coming out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'm on board with actually like yeah. we have to keep telling entertaining stories, but those stories have to be they have to mean something now. They 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 kind of have to mean something. And also I have complex regional pain syndrome um, in real life. So um, I use that in, in my movie, and I think we're going to see a lot more people doing that, is, is finding their, that story that no one can quite tell, and they're going to come forward and start telling those stories um, in the same way that I have, by using their own experiences, but fictionalizing it and giving us something that's entertaining. And that's a whole new perspective when you have someone with a disability telling a story about a disability and so forth. That's amazing. And it's really interesting to hear how you're able to use the, uh, the new technologies and filmmaking to really tell those stories and make a difference and raise awareness of certain topics. And I know Jenna and the Paris International Film Festival is really committed to change as well. So it's excellent to hear that. So Nora, tell us about what you think about the future of filmmaking. Are we due some kind of revolution? What's going on? I do think that, uh, yes. And uh, actually that's one thing that uh, Ashley and Mindy has already mentioned that uh, somehow everyday people, everyday life, uh, challenges of everyday life is something that uh, starting to get appear on screen, which I think it's really important. Uh, also, uh, um, what uh, for me, uh, okay, what we can see is that um, TV series uh, are much more popular, but also we can see that documentaries are much more popular than it was, uh, and I think it's also really good. And um, for me, uh, because I'm leading a children's film festival in Hungary, so I really do believe uh, to uh, create a new uh, audience, and uh, and I think that it's really really important to um, bring and screen uh, quality children's film and family films uh, for the young audiences. So uh, that's one thing that I think it's really challenging and the most important thing <laughs> to create a really good future audience for uh, ourselves or even future filmmakers. And uh, what I'm really interested in, which is not a topic, but rather the technique and also the uh, storytelling is this interactive uh, storytelling that, uh, for example, Netflix made uh, with a few original series uh, for, for kids as well, uh, Puss in Boots and in a, a um, Black Mirror episode too. And there are other uh, successful attempts on that. And I think it's really interesting. And, it's uh, interesting, not only because it's a challenge for as a filmmaker, uh, but also uh, because what I see that video game is one of the biggest encounters of film at the moment. Uh, and uh, that is somehow combined the two things because uh, films are usually have a much uh, uh, better story, but uh, maybe uh, what uh, the video game is better for the youngsters that uh, they can really involve in it. It's interactive and they can uh, make decisions uh, about the story. And if you can combine these two things, then I think it could be really interesting. And yeah, um, uh, I have one idea for that. And um, I'm thinking on that. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, Nora. I sit and watch my husband play video games because it's a story and I watch that story unfold so I don't think you're far off I think that's a great idea I look forward to what you put out I'll be your first one to watch it <laughs> yeah cool <laughs> yeah we, we look forward to hearing more when you have a, 
I'm not going to quiz you any further now, but when you've got more, you'll share it with us. Yeah, I like, you know. <laughs> Excellent. So to finish up then, Lisa, do you agree with the others or do you see something else in the future of filmmaking? Uh, well, as a visual artist, I kind of come from a different area, but I think what um, technology uh, has now allowed us to step outside of um, our box and we don't, we can be free to express ourselves in a new medium as uh, Tom and I have done with this film, which was really left of center for our circle of friends and, and unexpected, but, uh, and so it gives you freedom and that's what we need, creative freedom. And what is beautiful also is that um, our film ended has ended up being a like a community film and homage to the uh, not only to the city of Melbourne, although we just call it New World, and the um, and the artists of Melbourne, the architecture, and so I think that you know we we have more opportunity to cross over. We don't have to wait for. Funding, I mean, funding would be nice, but to be honest, if we waited for funding for residencies and everything, we wouldn't continue to be artists. And so I think the main thing is to stick to what you feel you need to tell and your story and expression as art. And uh, it, I know that the people in our city are really, um, feel special to be a part of it. A lot of people wanted to be a part of it and asked us if we could. And even Tom's gallery dealer um, wanted to be a part of it and something unexpected. So I think that um, if you have the idea and research how to do the idea, um, and so which takes a lot of work, but you have the freedom to be able to express yourself. Um, we don't want to step on any um, of our friends, filmmakers' toes or anything either because we kind of remain visual artists, but we might make another film in the future. We don't know because it is the unknown and we are super fans of cinema. But it's a huge job. It's very hard. <laughs> yeah, and I think also what when you said there about stepping on each other's toes, we're not stepping on each other's toes at all. We should be here to support each other and help. And as I've, I've spoken to Jenna many times, we're, we're not, you know, we all, I know so many people who run festivals, but we're all, we're there to help each other. We're not competitive festivals or there, there's no competition. It's about supporting each other and, and helping each other. That's what I think is beautiful. And I think um, that is what is beautiful about the arts. And um, we have a lot of friends who are writers, musicians, and filmmakers. And I think it's beautiful if we can all have a dialogue and we have, um, you know, musicians and uh, writers and, but mainly visual artists in our film, but it created a lot of interest and, it's good, to, it's good to hear that you haven't been put off completely. You might make another film. <laughs> we might. You might. Good to know. Never say never, as they say. Yep. So I'm going to pass back to Jenna now. Actually, I'm going to throw the question back to Jenna because Paris International Film Festival is all about change. So what does that mean to you and to Paris International Film Festival, what's the, what's the revolution? Are you starting the revolution, Jenna? Definitely. Actually, our vision is really to shape as much as we can the future of the filmmaking world. And thank you so much, Natasha, for being such a wonderful moderator and to the filmmakers around this table for sharing your story. Because we at the Paris International Film Festival, and thank you for asking, Natasha, because I really have to thank first the amazing filmmakers who are selected just like you, you, you tell your stories with so much humility. And I think it's really important for those who are watching this or listening to this to realize they can be part of your journey. We talk a lot with the pandemic about who is behind the food that we eat, the clothes that we wear. I think it's important to start really a conversation about who is behind the films that we watch. Think about your favorite film. 
who is behind that. Thank you, Mindy, for noting. I, it's really encouraging me, and I think it's important. Who is behind these films that we love so much? Who are in the cast and crew of these films? Look at the credits. It's not a secret. Just look at that. And really, we talk a lot about funds, and we talk a lot about many things. Politics, there's a lot we can talk about. But there is one thing you can do now, even in confinement, even in the lockdown, even if you're on an island, you can share these filmmakers' films. You can watch them in the virtual cinema, but you can also share the links on social media. You can reach out to them. I'm sure they will love for you to reach out to them and really be part of these journeys. You know, a sister, a mother, um, a friend, a neighbor, are you encouraging her? How are you looking at her? Are you giving her an occasion to speak about her work? This is a conversation we want to have a festival in. I have something to say is that 60% of the films we have selected, they are for the female filmmaker, but it's very important to mention that our jury selections the film regardless of gender. And as you can see, the selection is extremely strong. So thank you so much everyone for joining. Merci beaucoup. Thank you, Jenna. Jenna. Ready yeah. for change. Thank you so much for joining this panel. This was a panel about the future of filmmaking, revolution on the screen. See you very, very soon in one of the networking buildings.